The Old Testament reading for this Psalm, uh, Palm Sunday comes from Isaiah chapter 50, starting with verse 4. <clears throat> the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear those who are taught. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, starting with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapters 26 and 27. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, 
What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, it, this cannot pass unless I drink it. Your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. 
Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it should be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered, and Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the, some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So, when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. 
As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. 
and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We begin the service today as though we are part of that crowd coming into the city of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. And it's a triumphant procession that uh, comes with the King of Kings into the city of Kings, into Jerusalem. That entrance, that triumphal procession points ahead to Jesus seated on his throne where he will reign through all eternity. What a glorious day Palm Sunday is. And throughout the season of Lent we've been anticipating this day, been anticipating the celebration with the crowds on the road calling out, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Many pilgrims are on their way into Jerusalem that day. Thousands are coming from all around to celebrate the Passover feast during that whole week. And as they ascend the hill up to Jerusalem, as they come up toward the temple there, they sing psalms. The Psalter, the psalms are the songbook of the church. And they sing these psalms, and especially certain psalms, at the Passover time, the Hallel Psalms, and you're familiar with that word, Hallel. Hallel means praise in Hebrew, and a form of that word, Hallelu, means you praise. You praise. So, the end of the word is what we're missing, Yah, and of course that means Yahweh, that stands for Yahweh. So, hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. You've probably sung that song at some time in your life, and that's a literal translation of hallelujah. You praise the Lord. Now, I want you to take out the hymnal, and I want you to look in the front of the hymnal at the Psalms. <clears throat> Turn to Psalm 113. Psalm 113 is the beginning of the Hallel Psalms. They are Psalm 113 through 118. And they recount some of the history of Israel coming out of Egypt, celebrating the Passover, being brought through the Red Sea, etc. And so these Hallel Psalms go with the Passover feast. And that's why the Jews, that's why the pilgrims are singing these psalms. Generally, they would sing Psalms 113 and 14 on their way to the Passover, to Jerusalem. And then Psalms 115 through 18, they would sing on their way out of Jerusalem, going back to their homes. And so if you look through these psalms, and I would uh, give that to you as an assignment today, if you look through these psalms later on, you can read there some of the history and some of what those Israelites, those Jews, would have been singing 
on their way in their groups, right? They're not coming individually. They don't have their earbuds in listening to Spotify of these psalms. They are singing as a group as they come. And what a joyous celebration this is as they uh, come into Jerusalem. And this is what they were doing as they were coming into Jerusalem as Jesus is coming riding on the donkey. In fact, if you turn to Psalm 118, the last of the Hallel Psalms, they would have had this psalm on their mind as they're coming to Jerusalem. And if you look there at verse 25, we have the phrase, now i got to turn my page, we have the phrase, Save us, we pray, O Lord. Okay, we're going to take out the words we pray, we, we, we pray, and now we have save us, O Lord. And what do you notice about the word Lord? It's all in caps, right? So that is the name Yahweh in the Hebrew. In, in the Hebrew Bible there, if you looked back, you would find Yahweh there, but they were never supposed to say the name Yahweh. So we have in our Bible, Lord in all caps. And in their Hebrew Bible, it would be written a little differently. You knew it was that name, but for the reader who's going to be at the lectern reading, boy, don't say the name. So here it comes. There was uh, information at the beginning of the line telling the reader, watch out, it's coming. <laughs> and then the word itself would be pointed a little bit differently, different vowels combined with a different word so that nobody would say the name Yahweh. So this is, save us, O Yahweh. And uh, save us is the word Hosanna. Save us now, Yahweh, is Hosanna. So as they're singing here, Jesus is here, and now the crowds are saying, Hosanna, not Yahweh, but Hosanna to the Son of David. And so here is this mixing of the psalm that is, Save us, O Lord. And here is the Savior, Jesus, riding on the donkey, coming in. And the crowds, I think by the power of the Holy Spirit, are making this assumption that this is the Messiah. This is Yahweh saving us through this man. Now, they may not have thought he was divine. But certainly they thought he was the Messiah. And they... they say this psalm in a messianic way. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, save us now, Messiah, son of David. Now keep your finger there because we're going to come back to Psalm 118. But what a joyous day this is. In fact, if you look at verse 22 of that psalm, you see the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is where this quote is from, is the psalm here. This is still in Psalm 118, this uh, Hallel psalm that they would sing at Passover, the stone which the builders rejected. And Jesus is, of course, going to be rejected. He is the stone on which everything is built. And he is going to be rejected. Another thing to notice about his entry into Jerusalem here is that he rides on a donkey. Now, he's come to Jerusalem for Passover before. But this time, he rides on a donkey. Something is different this time. 
And he comes in to the praise of the people, the clothing on the, on the road, the palm branches laid down. He comes as a king entering Jerusalem, the city of kings. So I'm going to read verses 22 through 27 of this psalm, Psalm 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is Yahweh's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Yahweh. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh, in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of Yahweh. Yahweh is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Again, these, this uh, Passover sacrifice, right? These Hallel Psalms are for this festival. The last verse there that I read, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. This phrase in this verse points us forward, doesn't it, in the story? Points us past the, the festival atmosphere of the triumphal entry. Points us to something that's coming at the end of the week on Friday, right? points us to our gospel reading today, which seems like an odd reading for us on Palm Sunday. Shouldn't we be hearing the whole account of his triumphal entry? But actually, as we see in this Hallel Psalm, it is all pointing to what's coming, all pointing to the crucifixion, the sacrifice of the true Passover lamb. What a contrast between the beginning of our service today, between that reading, the triumphal entry, and his uh, coming into the city of kings as the king of kings, the rightful king of kings. You know, that's, that's what the people there on that day expected, right? That's what they wanted to happen. The long-awaited Messiah, the restoration of the glory years of Israel, the, the years of King David and King Solomon, when the nation was at its highest. But all too soon in the, in the readings here, in the glory, we're at Friday in our readings. We might imagine ourselves among the pilgrims that Friday morning. See, a lot of them would go out and stay in the neighboring towns and then come in every day during this week for the Passover festival. So we could imagine ourselves on that Friday coming in in the morning. There's still a lot to do, a lot with the festival to happen. We have to get everything done. We're going to get in there early and the the uh, the uh, Sabbath is going to start at sundown. So there's a time frame here. We've got to get in there. And everybody's getting in at the same time. You know, you tried to, to beat the crowds, but just like on the freeway, you end up in traffic anyway. Everybody's moving along, and you're getting jostled around in the crowd there. And then suddenly, against the stream of the crowd going in, come Roman soldiers moving out. And of course, they're not 
making way for you. You are making way for them. And you get shoved aside by a Roman soldier. Make way, make way. And as they move out from the city, you see who's following behind them. Some prisoners, beaten, one beaten more than the others. And they're carrying their crosses, at least their cross beams, out to the hill, to the place where they're going to be crucified, to Golgotha. Maybe you've never seen something like that before. Maybe you have. You hear a man point and say, hey, that one there, that's Jesus of Nazareth. And people around him craning their necks over the crowd. Who? What? Yeah, that's, that's Jesus. That's the one they call Messiah. And you could hear people in the crowd grunt, huh, some Messiah. Gone are the children running and laughing. Gone are the shouts, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Gone are the palm branches and the clothing strewn on the road. No beast of burden carrying Jesus this time because he is going to bear the burden of his cross for sure, but also of the sins of the world. A greater weight, a damning weight. Crucifixion, and then Jesus is dead. The week that began in a bright, joyful procession ends in tragedy, in tears, in darkness, and in fear. Loving cries of, save us now, son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. They become angry taunts of, he saved others. He cannot save himself. And we see that Jesus is transformed as he goes from the joyous entry into Jerusalem to the somber hilltop named the place of the skull. Or rather, I should say, our image of Jesus is transformed. Maybe we get caught up sometimes with the miracle-working earthly king. We rejoice and we worship when things are going well and wonder why he doesn't come and save us when things get difficult. Maybe we like the victorious Jesus on Sunday morning, feel like he's so distant and silent during the week. Maybe we like the Jesus of our own making, the one who averts his eyes when we sin or who winks a little bit at the small sins that we think we do. But he shows up in the nick of time when we're in trouble. Like the crowds that follow him into Jerusalem, our sinful flesh wants Jesus to be many things for us. Maybe our image of Jesus, our understanding of who and what he is, needs to be transformed as well. We certainly get that transformation between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Jesus is certainly transformed for the centurion. In the beginning, he's with his battalion there, and they are mocking Jesus, mocking this Jewish peasant who has delusions of grandeur. But in the end, the centurion confesses, truly this was the Son of God. 
And that transformation for him doesn't come after a blind man received his sight, or after a lame man walked, or after a leper was cleansed. It doesn't come after Jesus turned water into wine or fed thousands of people from a boy's lunchbox. It doesn't even come after the four-day dead Lazarus is raised. His confession comes when he sees Jesus die, when he sees the earth quake, the darkness, the rocks split open. Because the death of Jesus Christ is the pivotal event in history. Because the death of the Son of God is where God gets his victory over Satan and where payment is made for your sins and for the sins of all people. We may want Jesus to be many things for us, but what Jesus becomes for us as he lies down on the cross and opens up his arms to receive the nails, what he becomes for us is everything. And that everything can be summed up in three words. It is finished. The story is told of a Vietnam vet who visited the Remembrance Wall in Washington, D.C. one day. He knelt down, he took out a piece of paper, and he took out a little piece of black charcoal. He put the paper over a name and he rubbed the charcoal across it and traced out a name there. And some bystander asked him why he had come to visit this wall. The man said, I came for this man because this man saved my life. And that is, of course, why we've gathered here today. That's why we trace the events of Holy Week, to give honor and thanks and praise to the one who gave his life for ours, to Jesus who died that we might live. Jesus is transformed in Holy Week from earthly king to crucified savior, so that we too might be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, transformed from enemies of God into his own dearly beloved children, from sinners who deserve death and hell into his holy saints. In the name of Jesus, amen.